0: Hi, this is Greg Fish. Thank you so very much for coming along to this limited edition podcast where I read to you chapters from my book because I'm Richard's son, and I hope it's an encouragement to you that sometimes good is better than great. If you'd like to know more about my book, check it out at CorbinFosterMedia.com. That's CorbinFostermedia.com. This podcast is a Corbincast podcast. And today's chapter that I will be sharing with you is entitled, The Man Sitting Next to Me. The picture of high school-aged boys in filthy t-shirts and jeans, heads buried under the hood of a car with wrenches and greasy rags lying around, is as Americana as it gets. But growing up, you would never find me hovering over an engine block. Dad would never have admitted this, but I suspect there was probably at least a twinge of disappointment that I had no interest in cars, at least not the gunk under the fingernails, spark plug adjusting, oil soaked interest that he had. Okay, so it was even worse than that, I never really appreciated classic cars and could barely tell you the difference between American Motors and General Motors. I don't believe Dad was ever disappointed in me as his son, but I'm sure he would have loved for me to have at least had a little bit of gasoline in my blood. Many times Dad tried to turn me on to all things mechanical. Anything relating to a moving vehicle was second nature to him. When a car had a problem, he'd call me to the driveway and explain how to fix the seemingly insurmountable issue and it always went something like this. Number one, take the part out. Number two, see what's wrong with it. Number three, fix it. Number four, put it back in. To him, it was that simple. To me, it may as well have been a 500,000 piece puzzle of a solid collar. Dad would eventually get frustrated by my lack of interest or understanding and send me on my way. I'd gladly pick up my guitar and play. I understood the guitar. I could change guitar strings, tune it, and play it with the same ease that Dad could carburet a carburetor or manhandle a manifold. Dad's metric for buying a car was as simple as his process for fixing one. The vehicle should be American-made, or in the case of the VW he once bought, made on our shores, low mileage and sturdily built. That last one was always up to Dad's interpretation. One of the first cars I ever test drove as a newly licensed driver was a brownish, orangish, bluish-colored AMC Gremlin. It had originally been just a blue gremlin, but now the flecks of remaining paint were precariously knitted together by vast expanses of rust. Those glass-bottomed tourist boats in Florida had nothing on this little beast. I was treated to a thrilling view of the gravelly country road beneath us as I took it for a spin. maybe spin isn't the best choice of words. I I, I pedaled that death trap and held on to the steering wheel for all I was worth. Uh, Upon returning to the owner's field where it had been unceremoniously parked, Dad and I looked at each other with wide-eyed headshakes. It was a unanimous no. One of those rare moments when Dad and I saw eye-to-eye during those years. So, what kind of car do you like? Dad queried. I had just asked him what I should buy. I assumed he would know and be ready to tell me. I was unprepared for the decision to be rested back onto my shoulders. It's not that I had that high-paying dream job, but every young man fresh out of college once, it was my first gig in radio, and I would have wrestled those microphones and turned the potentiometers for next to nothing. And next to nothing was precisely what I got paid. But with my naive, young commitment to budgeting and saving, a modest, new-to-me car was within reach. I can't tell you what to get, son. What do you like? (laughs) I, I named a few models that came to mind. I wasn't sure how they looked, or how they drove, or where they were built, or even if they were sturdy. Dad held back a snicker. <laughs> Son, that's an old man car. Oh, okay. <laughs> I may have seen it on the prices Right. It was Bob Barker's fault that I selected an old man car. Eventually, the Chevy Celebrity met both the eye appeal and the budget test. Once I honed in on the perfect make and model, Dad finally voiced his approval. The winning one, was eggshell white. There was never any question where I would go for financing. Dad took me to his man at the bank, which is a, a bygone concept. What I wouldn't give to have an ongoing relationship of trust with one person at a bank. Today's corporately owned banking has taken care of that once and for all. I certainly love my corporate bank app when it comes to all of its deposit online coolness. But I'd give it all up for a man or a woman at the bank. So picture this. We walked into that tiny office and the man greeted my dad by name and they shook hands. A few moments of small talk ensued and then my dad confidently says, this is my son, Gregory. That's what I got called when I met the man at the bank. This is my son and I'd like you to give him a car loan. What happened next defies all manner of logic and reason in today's banking culture. But right there, in the Cummins Credit Union in 1987, my dad's man at the bank responded with, Yes, sir. He then pulled out a piece of paper to gather my information. Keep in mind the loan was already mine. He even offered me a bank credit card if I wanted. (laughs) I got the credit card. Before paperwork with no credit course scam to pound me down in my young years, I was offered and given a credit card. I was an onlooker in awe of the process that seemed so easy. It would never be that easy again. As I sat there, I knew that I was not getting that car loan because of anything I had done I was getting that car loan because of the man sitting next to me. My blue-collar dad's reputation in the banking world of that day was unimpeachable. Just like that lost moment at the loan officer's desk, so much of who I am and what I've gained in this world is because of that man sitting next to me purchasing my first car understanding the beauty of helping others, working hard with a hole in a shovel, and knowing how and why we walk with Jesus, it was the man sitting next to me that opened so many doors for me. Part of praying to find our way to gain a sense of direction in this life of twists and turns involves asking God to remember his compassion and undying love. I'm pretty sure God doesn't forget. I'm equally sure that we need a trigger to remind us that love is God's prime trait. It signifies great power and authority when you can love someone despite their abysmal failures. This mighty God is the one who sits with us in the lone offices of life. He's the one on whose authority we move through life. It's the blessing of his goodness prevails. No one walks an easy road, but it's the man there with us that truly brings peace and stillness to our souls. He is the one that helps us find our way down the road when otherwise we would be abandoned to ourselves. I don't move forward because of anything great I've manufactured on my own, just like I didn't get that car loan because I am Greg Fish. I got it because I'm Richard's son.